Welcome to Core Nourishment. I'm Annie Wagner, your host. This podcast is designed to empower, inspire, ignite presence, purpose, and intention in your day. Welcome back to the Core Nourishment Podcast. I'm Annie Wagoner, your host, and thank you so much for tuning in and listening. If there's anyone in your life who you think might enjoy my podcast, please share. And if you haven't already done so and feel inspired to, I invite you to go to iTunes and offer a rating and a review. Thank you so much. So today I had the enormous pleasure of sitting across from my dearest mom, Sally Morsbach. She is definitely one of the most inspirational women in my life. Someone who truly lives in the present, reminds me that we always have choice. She is constantly signing up for a new online course to enhance her own growth and learning. And she is so passionate about people and learning about their stories and their resiliency. My mom talks about what led her to become a grief and loss therapist. She opens up about some of her hardships and losses, and we laugh, we cry. It is absolutely beautiful and felt so sacred to land in conversation with her, and you will definitely leave this podcast feeling inspired. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Core Nourishment Podcast. I'm Annie Wagoner, your host, and I am sitting across from my dear, inspiring, incredible mom, which feels like such an honor. I almost want to tear up. We also have my cat Thunder with us, who has made a special guest appearance in the past in my podcast. So if you hear purring or meowing, um, that's what's going on. So mom, Sally Morsbach, she is I really don't even have words. Definitely um, the most inspiring, influential woman in my life. Um, just full of such passion and purpose and light. I always think of you, Mom, and just think of light and the energy that you put out into the world. Both light energy and also just such uh, tenacity in such a beautiful, powerful way. Um, mm-hmm. You are incredible. Thank you. So Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So... The first thing I think of when I think of your work and what your purpose is in this world is connected to your grief and loss uh, therapy work that you do. Um, And I know that that's just one part of who you are. But I'd love for you to share, I guess, share with our audience, our listeners, um, what you call yourself in terms of your profession and and then what led you to want to to explore being a therapist and in particular the field of grief and loss therapy. Okay. <laughs> dive right into deep. Dive right into the novella. Um, <laughs> yeah, so thank you. So my practice is called Mourn to Light, um, M-O-U-R-N, and I've been doing it for 35 years. And I'm often asked what led me to this work. So my sense is I was born into it, coming from a family where there was a lot of loss in my genealogy that was not articulated, and I'm, I'm sure I felt it on some level. I was 
uh, nine when my grandmother died and 10 when my cousin died and I had an uncle who committed suicide and I wanted to talk about these things and... Did anyone talk to you about those things when they happened? I was just told the news that the people had died. We did not go to the funerals, um, my sisters and I, because my parents didn't think it was necessary. Um, so I think that was the seed for why are we not talking about this thing that has a lot of feeling in it. Mm. Um, and then I went to college and majored in English, and I love stories. Mm. So I think that we are, we are our own story. And somebody can die in Chapter 2 and still be mentioned in Chapter 17, so I realized maybe talking about the story is what would help people. Mm. Um, and then I started volunteering in a terminal unit down in Richmond, Virginia, when I was first married. And found as a volunteer, which was a great position to be in, I was completely neutral. Not a family member, no history there, not a doctor, not a nurse. Um, and every patient wanted to tell me their story. Wow. So I was thinking about what it must be like at that point to lose your life. Mm. You know, when we experience the death of somebody, we're losing one person and that role they are in our lives. But here, people were losing their whole lives. Was there ever a theme that you recalled, Mom, in the sharing of those stories? Or like a feeling that was um, often felt? Well, I do believe, and I think it's true even in my work, that people who are sitting in front of me are more willing to explore and go deep hmm. than perhaps the general public. Um, I think that people want to be remembered yeah. And people want their lives to matter. So even the people who are grieving, they're teaching me about their grief and in that process telling me a story about the person who died and what they meant to them and what they meant to that person who died and how they they kind of wish they had a do-over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, so that's hmm. that's the theme is we don't get a do-over. So if we have time to rethink how do we want to be, how do we want our relationships to feel? In every single day. In every yeah. single day. Yeah. yeah. How about the theme of people who are on their deathbed? Was there... Um, well, you know, it's interesting. I think that the first thing that occurs to me when you ask that is just how tired they are. They're... When people are literally on their deathbed, their their bodies are tired. Mm. So they're at a place of, I just, I think my body's ready to be done. And that, I think, can be all-consuming. Yeah. I don't know they're... that I heard people with regrets. I think that can happen maybe weeks and months before. But that literal deathbed time mm -hmm. it's is like a more, surrendering well it is it's almost like this body's done its work here mm -hmm. and um wow yeah wow so you were volunteering i was volunteering okay. in in the terminal unit in the medical college of virginia we wow. lived in richmond and then moved up to philadelphia in 1978 and i went to a kind of death and dying course at 
the church that we went to and then started to be trained to be a hospice volunteer in 1980, 80, the fall of 80, right after you were born. Mm, I was going to say, that's my birth year. That's your birth year, yeah. And then um, became a hospice volunteer and that segued into a job and that segued into doing bereavement. So and, what were you feeling inside um, that was Kind of pulling or tugging you to keep going in that work? Um, well, I think um, the challenges I had with um, your sister who died in 1982, my stillborn. Mm. And Do you want to share more? Um, well, I'm trying to think. So because Grammy, my mother, took divesterol, DES, in the 50s, I ended up having um, some issues with my cervix and the size of my uterus, so... All my babies were preemies, um, but I ended up having a miscarriage before your brother Sam, a miscarriage after you, and then I got pregnant with a healthy girl and ended up getting a viral infection in my amniotic fluid. Mm. And she was born at 24 weeks and mm. didn't make it. Um, and I think my experience with that and the way the world treated me or reacted to me would be a better way. Um, just started a whole nother conversation in my soul about wanting the world to be able to handle grief differently. Mm, and not feel so alone because <laughs> it's a collective, right? Collective feeling or experience felt in all sorts of different ways, but um, I imagine you felt so alone. Yeah, things. and I think grief is a very personal journey. Yeah. So everybody feels alone in their grief. Mm -hmm. And even though we can relate um, and say, you know, I too lost a child or I too got divorced or I too lost a parent, that's where the similarities end because the meaning of that relationship lost, there are only two people who know it, mm -hmm. you and the person who dies. So that all that, you know, I often describe it like the, the definition is the tip of the iceberg, and then what's underneath the surface is seven miles or seven layers of, of meaning and texture that nobody knows about. Mm. And so that's why it becomes a very private yeah. journey. But the willingness to talk about it, right? Um, it's that, you know, if you, if you can name it, you can tame it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Wow, Mom. Hmm. So well, and you were you were two and a half I know. when she was born. Do you remember that? Very. I have. It's more. I don't know whether it's the actual memory or from your sharing because mm -hmm. um, we have talked about it. Um, I feel like I remember Sam more. My so my older brother, listeners. Um, Sam is eighteen months older. I remember him being upset mm -hmm. and not really understanding why, and then you also, but. Um, it's, it's just like more of a feeling inside. Right, so, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, but then, you know, my experience around it is now just like, wow. And that was that soul's journey. And now we have Fred in our lives. <laughs> so we that's do. what's, you know, would we he do. be here if, yes. you know. And well, then. and he once asked that. So Fred, <laughs> who's almost four years younger than Annie, um, asked me when he was about six years old, um, are you glad that I'm here instead of Carter? Because that was the name of our daughter who died. And I said, oh, Fred, that's like a trick question. So <laughs> I 
I am sad that she died, and I am so grateful you are here. So I consider you to be my gift from her. Mm. Um, wow. So it's 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 true. He wouldn't be here if she had lived. So yeah, we one of those imponderables. Yes. Right. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. yeah. Incredible, mom. Wow. So let's um. Where share where you're at now with your work, or and I, it's interesting. I, I I was actually just saying this to you before we started recording. Um, when I say work, it's it's a. I guess we could define that. I don't even. It's not work. It's like this is your purpose, your passion, your. Um, yeah. How would you define it? Your oh, mission. Oh gosh, your... my mission, my calling, my. Yes. Um, the thing that electrifies me and lights me up. I love that. Um, without which I, yeah, I'll talk about your light going out. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I do love to clean and garden, but you can just do so much <laughs> of that. Um, so part of what I love about my work, and maybe I'll describe more of it, is sitting in the privileged space of somebody else's journey mm. and feeling as though they've asked me to partner with them in just understanding it. Um, It goes back to that story thing, that we're the editor, the narrator, the author, and the main character of our own story. Mm. And if we don't like the way it's going, we have a choice. And I think a lot of times people feel like, I can't believe this is my life. And I'm like, well, it is. So given that it is your life, Mm. if there's something you don't like, all you have to do is change one thing at a time, just one little thing. Amazing how how challenging and scary that can feel. However, right. you know, so as opposed to feeling trapped or victim to it. Right, right. Um, well, I remember a conversation I had with Granddaddy, so my father, um, about three and a half years ago, before you got this house, and he was concerned about you and I remember going over to his house and he had read the book Unbroken which was about um, that World War II runner he was a famous runner Uh, I guess he won a gold medal in the 1941 Olympics or something like that and um, he was lost at sea in the Pacific. His boat sank, but he was captured by the Japanese and he was a prisoner of war. So the book was about his journey from a boy all the way through his life. And he survived um, a concentration camp, kind of German Mm. prisoner of war, Japanese thing. And Granddaddy loved that book. And that man was maybe four years older than Granddaddy. Hmm. But I went over and I said, so Dad... You read that book, and if you had stopped on page 80, what would you have thought? He goes, oh, that would have been horrible. He was he was on the raft in the Pacific, and it would have been a terrible place. And I said, <laughs> okay, so the story kept going. If you had stopped reading when he was a prisoner of war, what would you have thought? Oh, my gosh. It, oh, jeepers, he would have said. It would have been <laughs> horrible. And then jeepers. he went on, and I just said, so we don't know the end of Annie's story. Like you may be concerned about her or you may be concerned about me, but this isn't where the story ends. Mm. It's the end of a sentence, the end of a paragraph, possibly the end of a chapter, but mm. there's more. And to have faith that the story keeps moving. Yeah. 
And I think that's so true with grief. It's true with my clients that right now it feels what it feels. Yes. Um, this is one singular yeah, moment. Right. That and can it feel enormous. And it, will, it will shift. Yeah. With or without your permission. I think of that phrase, um, this too shall pass. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, it doesn't, it's not dismissing what's, what we're experiencing in the moment. But, right. Right. Yeah. And I think so it's that. It's the sitting with my clients in that space of knowing there's they want it to move because otherwise they wouldn't be with me Mm -hmm. and so just talking about where it is helps them to see what's actually shifted from last week last month last year Mm. um i don't feel exactly the same way i don't necessarily feel better um but i feel different enough that there's hope um so i think it's it's that so I have my private practice with my clients that's 99% grief and loss. And then I've just recently started life coaching. Yeah. Um, and I love that. It's it's coming out of my certification with functional medicine, which looks at the root cause of things. So, Which is awesome. So many more... I just think of all the layers, Mom. And yeah. one of the things I admire most about you is the, the constant desire for... Well, just continuous learning in life, but just how you can continue to bring together and learn and integrate so many different layers of approaches and yeah, so it, cool. Well, thank you. What would you? How would you share the difference? I mean, do you really feel a difference with how you, um, I guess, hold space or listen or support your life coaching clients versus your therapy clients? Um. Well, I'd say my therapy clients would say that I've always kind of been a coach. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because they know I'm doing this now. And they're like, well, Sally, you've always kind of coached us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the um, ethics and the guidelines are different. Obviously, yes. as a licensed counselor with liability and all that, there's there's a difference in terms of I don't really offer advice. Yeah. As a coach, I am in a position to offer advice more as a guidance. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I do it in a similar way for both. I'm, I'm not one to really give advice. I, I usually encourage people to think about what their options are, what feels right for them. I was um, about to ask, do you relate to any particular, you know, just going, I think about, you know, I was a psychology major, right, in college, and all, you know, you have um, just the different psychologists or philosophers and um do you relate to any particular style in counseling or? Um, well, definitely not the one where you just sit back quietly and listen. I know, right? <laughs> you think about the, <laughs> the lounge chair where they're no, lying down and the no, smoking a pipe. And, yeah. No, I'm not, and I'm not taking notes. Um, I'm much more of a collaborator. Yes. Um, I do love the integration that I now have with functional medicine where you look at the root cause. So that is a very therapeutic style for me because I don't, think we're where we are in the present moment without our past mm. we don't need to go live there again but we we need to at least understand where something comes from in order to shift it or let it go i mean i'll often say you you can't let go of something until you've held on to it right and right. you'd have to be able to identify what it is you're holding on to before you let it go yeah um i just thought i'm gonna just interrupt us pause for one moment i want to come back to this but i just had that flash mom to when i was a teenager and we were on a walk <laughs> um and so listeners one of the things i 
thoroughly cherish as um, as a child and then teenager was my walks with mom. That's we would walk and talk, and that's actually what I carried into core nourishment. Mm-hmm. Um, I would walk and talk or offer that as an offering with clients. Um, but I remember distinctly. I forget how old exactly I was. I was. 15 oh gosh um and I was a wreck I was just in my head and emotional about comparing myself to people and feeling um just really beating myself to the ground you finally said okay you picked up a gumball you know those Those prickly yes Yes. gum tree we call them gumballs it makes me think of granddaddy and and it didn't feel good to squeeze in my hand but you said I want you to hold on to this and name what you're feeling and what you're ready to let go of and tell them, and correct me if I'm not getting the story exactly you're right, right. You're right. And squeeze into that. And then I think we dug a hole with a stick or a rock and buried uh-huh. it. Yep. And stomped on it. And then there I let it go. And we but were at Ashbridge Park. Yeah, Ashbridge Park. Oh yes. my gosh. But um, I remember that so clearly. I remember I was crying and I was also a little bit resistant. Like, what What am I doing? Then this hurts. And <laughs> yeah, well, it hurts because you're holding yeah, on to it. I right. know, but there's so many metaphors in that. So yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's really cool. Thank that's, you, Mom. Well, that's it's <laughs> a fun memory. I'm yeah. so glad you remember it. Yeah. Um, but it's that, and I think that part of what I keep educating myself on is just growing a really awesome toolbox with all these different compartments because I have my Reiki and I have my energy healing and I have my Myers-Briggs certification and I have yeah. trauma training and I have mind-body medicine, and I've taken meditation. So it's just being able to kind of pull into that and say, well, have you heard of this? Have you read this? Would you be open to this? Mm. And Really meeting an individual yes. where they're at and yes. assessing what might really be helpful or work for them. Well, yeah, and I think part of what I've learned from my coaching clients is they'll reference a book or a podcast or a person, and I will then give myself the assignment to go look at that Mm -hmm. so that I can come back informed and and say, I can see why that was important to you. I love that. And connect that way. Um, And that's really, I was about to say unique. I I like to believe it's not as unique, mm -hmm. that people really do listen and um, that you you take that, that you truly care enough Mm -hmm. to like, you know what, I'm going to look into this. And and then that way, that's going to allow you to connect with them even more. is so beautiful, Mom. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, part of it's interesting. Part of the life coaching I'm doing now um, is with the premise of functional medicine, looking at root cause, looking at kind of how trauma can inform how we get in our way in our lives. So trying to understand what is the trauma that holds us back. Mm. Um, so I think attending to that is really useful. And again, it goes back to that. It's part of our story. It's even if it's buried in the basement in a trunk behind all those other things, it's are you willing to lift that lid up and know that it can't hurt you as much now as it did when you buried it? Mm. Um, and just to be able to give it some air, talk about it, open a window and whoosh, let it go. Yeah. And, and you'll be able to name it, but it won't hold the same power inside you. Um, yeah, and now scary. I just, you know, the visualization is so powerful. Um, I also am thinking of Brene Brown's whole idea. Oh, it's a little yeah. bit different because she's really talking more about shame. Well, but, but, the, shame, but shame and is trauma, connected to trauma. But so. shame and trauma have the yeah. same physiological response in our bodies. Mm-hmm. So when we're shamed or when we witness or experience a trauma, it sets off the same mechanisms in our body. And then there, there's that visceral body 
memory. Like yes, when the, that we know, hold on to. When the body says no or the body remembers by, you know, there's all these wonderful books about how the body holds information. And then how it manifests itself if we yeah. continue to hold on to it. Yeah, and we don't, we don't lose our triggers just like we don't lose the trauma. What I... You know, it's like when people say, I just want to get over this and not have it bother me again. I'm like, Can well, we fix this and have it go no, away? Yeah. No, and it's just recognizing. Which I can relate to. I can too. I've, been the, I've already been here. I'm done with this. I'm, I know. I thought I learned this already. Right. And then you go down the road and there it appears again in another outfit. And you're like, <laughs> so you're like, oh, hi, it's you again. Um, but just catching yourself sooner. That's mm-hmm. all it is. It's like, wow, I just got triggered. I'm not seven. It's not whatever, 19, you know, 91. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know. I can move through this with a yeah, little I bit can. more ease this time. And just how do we ground ourselves in the moment? Mm. How do we come back to the present? Um, so, Mom, how do you ground yourself and how do you come back to the moment? Because um, I, I, I just had a flurry of thoughts. So one thought was, do you... A couple, so we can come back to questions. But I'm like, I imagine you have some people who are like, well, Sally, you must, um, you just must, you ne- must never feel trauma anymore. You must like, you just must have like that whole concept what you're talking about. Like, it's oh, like yeah, you're, I'm absolutely you've worked perfection. through all the things. You're all right. <laughs> yes. But, you know what that would mean? It would mean that I'm going to just drop dead right now because I'm done. My work on this planet is over. So I'm pleased to lovely dead. seeing no, you no, now. No. <laughs> Um, but how do you, in your past, working through trauma or even just, I think, about main- maintaining or um, nourishing yourself to remain energized for, for the work that you, you do? You hold a lot of space for people and give a lot, it's a lot of energy output. So Well, it is. I think um, I fortunately, just based on my personality, I'm kind of wired like granddaddy. Um, <laughs> So you want to describe very, um, I love my whoopee schedule, my ritualistic get up in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is. It's like my pacifier. (laughs) I have my hot water and lemon, my coffee, go for my two and a half mile walk. Mm. Um, my space that I live in is absolutely sacred and clean and the energy in our home is exquisite so i eat well i sleep well i exercise um that's always been pretty easy for you it's been very easy i mean i don't mean to just like assume or no it's you haven't had hard moments but i think that that's something in being your daughter and also just another woman like i have um just respected and been in awe of the times because um, it hasn't always felt easy for me like just maintaining those rituals or even my relationship with my body and food mm-hmm. and what why do you think well i'm i i love same old same old i'm not i mean my myers-briggs if we're into that i yeah. just <laughs> like the repetition of a routine i mean i could eat the same lunch every day for the rest of my life and never crave variety mm. i just it's just yeah oh whatever you but see I, it simply as fuel for your body yes, and then move on. It's yes. not like an emotional I'm not a foodie. sensory attachment. Oh, there is an emotional attachment to chocolate. I was going to say, what about so, chocolate here? And maybe maybe like a mocha with lots of whipped cream. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but that's just in between those other times. So I think even, you know, even last summer when my parents were dying, mm. I never compromised on my eating, my sleeping, or my walking. Because I knew that they were the foundations to keep me 
functioning in that five weeks where granddaddy was in the hospital, Grammy went in, mm. granddaddy died, Grammy died. Yeah. Um, and even though, you know, I lost weight, I was eating the same, exercising and sleeping, but the stress clearly had an impact. Yeah. But I'm so grateful for the ability to hold that foundation for myself. So It's like this non-negotiable with yourself. Yeah, it is a non-negotiable. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. powerful. Well, it's, it's um, and it is easy. It's like it's easy for me to keep that order in my life mm-hmm. um, at home. Um, so that's part of my self-care. I... Um, I mean, I'm married to somebody I can share every aspect of my being with, and there's no need to edit. There's no, um, there's no shame in how I feel about things or how I judge myself. So I think that's been incredibly supportive for me. Yeah. Um, and I think just the way I, I believe it's, it's not a a God faith, perhaps, as much as a resilience. I mean, I didn't ask to believe that there's more, there's another story, we don't have to stay stuck here. Mm-hmm. Just how you've always yeah. been. I think about what you share when you were a little girl and your sense of curiosity and wonderment, knowing there's kind of more out there. Yes. Um, and I'm always and curious you're always about curious, and that's actually next. something that I've seen come alive even more. I felt that, you know, being mm-hmm. a, being a kid, your your daughter, I felt that very much so. Um, but that I've reconnected with even more now that I have kids and seeing you with Jack and Sadie, mm-hmm. it's been so so awesome, Mom, to see your curiosity and your playfulness and your presence. Um, but there's that playfulness, too, that you have that's creativity that's mm-hmm. really cool. Well, and I think when you talked about energy, so I don't ever consider my work to be draining. So I do feed off the energy of other people. Mm. And with my work, and the reason I can see myself working until I'm in my 90s, <laughs> is that that connection that attunement that Mm. is like going back to attachment theory yeah that resonance and the mirror neurons with another person have such i mean they're really life-giving um it's almost like you you know you, you were sweet in introducing me about you know being light it's like i sometimes think we're each of us like a fuse box with all the electricity in us and when we connect with another person, it's like the switch is turned on. Yeah. But it's always in me. But the minute I'm a- across from you, it's, for instance, I I light up more. There's a because, wire that's well, there is a that, wire. That, yeah. And if yeah. you connect back, then, oh, my gosh, it, we're like a power plant. Right. There's this charge of right. <laughs> electricity. Now, the opposite can happen if I'm with somebody who's, you know, feeling very negative or very down. You know, there are times that it's hard for my electricity to be vibrant. The kilowatts are lower. Yes. It's like they're draining the kilowatts out. But that's different um, from being with a client who might right. be in a negative or down. Well, space absolutely. Of, but, but you're talking like if you're in just connecting in your personal yeah. life. Yeah, which makes I, I can relate. Yep. So with my clients, it's more my my hope is to hold the space. For them to connect to their own inner light bulb. Well, just to, to like, hold the to, space that they're in no yeah. matter what. Because it will pass if we hold it. Yeah. You know, it's like standing at the ocean. If you try to push the waves back, it doesn't work. No. <laughs> but if you let them 
crash over your feet and then recede back. Mm. They always go back. Another one comes, but mm-hmm. that's what the emotions are like. And mm-hmm. so often in life we're trying to hold back the tears or hold back the feeling. And it's like trying to hold back a wave. Just let it wash over you. It's not going to take that long. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about the word allow and allow. Well, I was just thinking that, about that I same know, word. That's so, that's of so course. perfect. Yes, allow. Well, because you use that word a lot, Mom, and I I will, in my mind, my, um, my brain, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll talk to myself if I'm struggling or... Or even like holding space for someone else. Well, actually, no, it's really more with me where I struggle with it. Where I'll say like, okay, acknowledge, noticing the feeling that I may not like <laughs> um, and just allow. But yeah. how hard that can be. Like I, I can say it with words, but mm-hmm. I have a hard time actually. Um, I think about our society just and now I'm reflecting on my podcast with Dr. Deb last, mm-hmm. last week about, about emotions and how in general, you know, uh, a lot of us. We think about emotions as like this box, um, but we have a really hard time letting ourselves feel widely this way or the other way um, without judgment. Yeah. Well, and I'll often say um, to clients, you know, if you look up a feeling or an emotion in the dictionary, it doesn't say good, bad, right or wrong. It just defines it. Yeah. And I think, you know, our our feelings and emotions are there to inform us. Mm. You know, and I think often our feelings come before we think about them. They just arrive. Mm -hmm. And again, it goes back to that. If you can talk about it, you can give it a form to work with. Mm. And that reminds me of, um, I was reading a quote yesterday, that there is no word for a parent who's lost a child. As a child, you can become an orphan. As a partner, you can become a widow or a widower. But because there's no word in our language for a parent who's lost a child, it's a harder thing to talk about. Mm. Yeah. So it's it's there's no there's no label or name. Right. So I think that when we have feelings, we're you know, as you said with Dr. Deb, there it's a pretty narrow range. I'm good, I'm fine, I'm okay, I'm happy, I'm upset, and that's kind of where we are. And we want to, oftentimes people want to stay that way, it feels safer. Right, you know, whereas but. there's, you know, hundreds of other words and the nuances within our feelings. So, mm. You know, it's, it's kind of like excitement and nervousness and anxiety and fear all reside in the solar plexus. And I was about to say, and where we feel in the body. Yes. You know? yeah. And is it a butterfly or a yellow jacket or just battery acid? I mean, it's, it's all in the same <laughs> right. spot. But right. how we describe it helps mm. us to figure out what our relationship is to it. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I'm thinking about Tara Brock, and I know you've yes. yeah. listened and read. Mm-hmm. Um, but just her whole idea of, like, her her journey and then the being an observer right. of our our experience and our feelings and again, allowing. Mm -hmm. Well, and I also love, um, recently read the book untethered soul. Oh yeah. I want to read that. And I love the way he talks about that voice in your head. And I usually call it the committee. Like you get a feeling, you take it upstairs to the committee. They're all sitting around the board table talking about it, telling you no, yes, maybe. It seems so serious. But in in Untethered Soul, I can't remember the author's name, he talks about it as your roommate. Um, And your roommate actually grew up with the same parents you did. hmm. Right? (laughs) Right. And it's amazing how much your roommate has to say about the shoulds, the shouldn'ts, and yeah, I don't think so, and all the judgment. Mm. And um, maybe you can just 
gently comfort that roommate mm-hmm. and just say, you got this, you're good. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your input, but I, I'm here now. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that. I love that. Compassion pouring just came to mind. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. I think in my personal journey, I've learned so much. And, and also, I think being growing up, um, just you and dad were very incredible about uh, like holding space for us and allowing, um, but just that idea of we never, we never know what people are truly going through, you know? So when we're even having an interaction with a, a stranger, mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes we feel that wall over, right. um, you know, in my work at Lululemon, you know, any guests I have and someone mm-hmm. may, maybe just not, you just not talkative or body language or, you know, there's just an energy. It's just remembering that it's not, it's not personal. You know, we never know what someone's truly going through and just pouring I often just in my mind, just pour compassion to that person. Right. Know? If we could all step back and just be a little bit more kind or compassionate, just how much more love would be in our world. Well, it kind of goes to the four agreements thing. I not, know. Not making assumptions. <laughs> yes. Right. And, yeah. And realizing you know, we don't know that person's story. Yeah. You know? And I think that's why part of what I end up teaching my grief clients is try not to ask people how they are. Mm. You know, because I think when you've just recently had a death in your family and somebody goes, hey, how are you? And it's like a trick question. Yeah. So it's more just what learning. What suggest people? Just, you know, it's good to see you. Or I've been thinking about you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had clients who've said to me, somebody three months after their husband died says, so are you used to being a widow yet? Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh, is right. <laughs> or, Rewind you know, button. <laughs> are you better? Yeah. And it's it, you kind of want to say, you know, they're inside words and they're outside words. So mm. maybe you could have kept that question. But don't you think it also comes so much from a place of, of people just also being so uncomfortable and not knowing what to say? Right. Yeah. And it's the fact that we feel like we have to say something. Yeah. As opposed to, I don't know what to say. Just owning that. Yeah. 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 Like I've been thinking of you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So much layering. Yeah, a lot of layering. Absolutely. Yeah. So how has my work affected you, Miss Annie? I know. I was about to ask you another question. Um, How has your work affected me? Well, I'm amazed... Not amazed, um, but I think about you multiple times a day with interactions I have with people. And for example, I just had um, an employee who mm-hmm. I work with yesterday share that an aunt passed, his aunt passed away. And mm-hmm. just in that moment, um, you know, I immediately kind of draw you in and think of you. And, and I didn't ask him how he was. I just said, you know, I just held space to ask, ask him if there's anything more you want to share. And um, we talked about grief. I shared mm-hmm. the, what you do, um, but I, I, I've learned so much from you. Um, you've been a mirror for me in realizing what I also want to do in this world in terms of be be of service and support others. I think a big strength of mine is holding space, similar mm-hmm. to what I'm doing right now with this right. podcast, has become right. a new project in that way. Um, what I absolutely love the most when I was doing core nourishment um, full-time and, and having clients is, is just listening. I love hearing people's stories, and I'm, I love the feeling of being able to be so present with someone and, and listen mm-hmm. and intuitively and compassionately in a way that 
feels so sacred and then allows people to open up a little bit more or discover more of their own resiliency and strength and light yeah Um, so it's the stories I'm so curious Mm -hmm. so your work has helped and who you are and how you choose to show up in this world allows me to continuously come back and remind me to to listen to my soul and what I want to be doing um, and every single day uh, that you used the word choice earlier and I think of that so often in my life as well as in my work actually it's it's beautiful it's one of Lululemon's part of our culture is living powerfully in choice and mm-hmm. that we always have choice um, in how we are you know, I think of responding versus reacting right. to a situation or to someone or to energy um, or to something going on in our life. And if we aren't happy, it's not always easy to to make a move. Um, but as you said earlier, just taking one one single step. Yeah, one single yeah. step. And I think, you know, you remind me that whole idea of choice and where we put our attention. So it's that idea that whatever you feed or nourish will grow. So if you feed the negativity, you'll just get better at that. Mm. If you, you know, nourish gratitude, mm-hmm. you become more grateful. Mm. And just how much people try to pay attention to what they can't control. It's such a large list in trying to, you know, teach my clients and remind myself in that process that there's a list of what I am able to control and that's what I can work on Mm. that's where most of my choice lies yeah you know what I eat how I respond what I wear you know what my habits are who I choose to engage with as opposed to what's going to happen next week with that person, what that person's going to say. I don't know how to respond because I haven't heard them say that yet. Well, all the stories that we, we can make up in our right. head right. You know, before actually yeah. simply asking a question or exploring. Yeah. 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 And I love um, Mark Hyman who wrote the Eat Fat, Get Thin. His yes. whole thing of we, we make a choice three times a day with our fork yeah. um, because food is medicine. So that choice to feed our brains and feed our bodies so that we have the energy to do the work that we do. Mm. Um, yeah, it's really valuable. Yeah, really yeah. powerful. Mom, you mentioned earlier 35 years that you've been doing this mm-hmm. work. What do you see? I mean, so you've only done, th- I mean, not to say only, but yeah. it, I, I'm saying that in like a, a humorous way because I, I just know you and you're going to live until you're over 100. Mm-hmm. You have many, many more years ahead of you. What what excites you about thinking forward and vision? Um, what's next? Um, well, maybe someday you and I can write our book together. I was I was thinking about that like earlier. That. Yeah. Um, or we could just, you know do something together because I still envision that well I was thinking all your metaphors you've shared through this podcast which is I love Mm -hmm. you have always talked in that way but it's also reminded me of just how much you used to love writing and used to write poetry when we were younger Mm -hmm. and you shared with me all your old journals and um so do you currently write I do not. And do you miss it? I don't. No, not Um, now. So I I take that back I occasionally write a poem okay um I don't miss writing because currently and hopefully futurely, I am married to someone who I can say 
anything and everything too. So I process out loud <laughs> to him. That's where I got it from. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Well, yeah. I think that's why I like cows. You know, you chew, you swallow, you bring it up again. You chew, you swallow, you bring <laughs> There's it up. There's another again. metaphor. <laughs> but yeah, that's me. Um, because he'll often say, "So are you done yet?" I go, "No, not yet. I think I need to talk about it some more." Um, <laughs> and he's a complete yeah. opposite. Not uh, complete, but he's, introverted. Yeah, he processes internally and then just proceeds. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "How did you do that? That's remarkable." <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I I have a lot of things I'd love to share. Um, I'm not feeling compelled to write about them yet. You've thought about it, though. You've written some notes. I have written some notes. Yeah. Um, I would think writing a book together would be incredible someday. It would be. Yeah. So I'm not sure I love what I'm doing now. So I'm working a bit, you know, 30-some hours a week with clients. And um, I don't know. What's your next? So I mentioned earlier one of the things I just absolutely love, and I remind myself all the time when I can feel... Like my own shoulds come up like, oh, you should have started this a long time ago. Or if I want to go back to school, well, it's I should have done that. I'm like, hold on. Hold on one second. Like <laughs> every day, again, we have choice and it's never too late. Um, and you really have been an example of that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you just ramble or not rambled, but shared that you, you know, Reiki and energy healing school and then functional medicine most recently. What's mm-hmm. your next? Do you have a online course you're doing? I'm or? doing an online course you are. right okay, now. Which one? The Be Unlimited with Dave Asprey and Mark Atkinson oh, from yeah, the Bulletproof. Yes. Okay. So it's a five week online course. Um, I think I have maybe five other courses that are stacked in my you know, computer that I purchased that I own now. Um, and they are from kind of like a Tara Brock and Jack Cornfield meditation to um, one on brain health with Dan Siegel. Oh, yeah. Which I really like. He wrote Mind Sight, which yes. is one of my go-to books. And, oh, there's always a course that will come across my screen that I will jump into. And what, where do you feel that, Mom, when you see something? Like, oh, I just get super excited. Yeah. I'm really glad I, can, like, I have a credit card. literally see you jumping up and yes. down. <laughs> Um, is your motivation, and, and again, your life is so interconnected, work mm-hmm. and personal mm-hmm. desire, but do you find that initially you want to take a course um, more for just your personal curiosity and growth, and then you end up layering it into your work? Absolutely. I yeah. mean, I don't ever have the motivation that this is going to help me be a uh, a better therapist or a better coach, or I need this for this specific purpose. It's just I'm... Um, Curious, And then one of the ways that I learn is that very shortly after I absorb something, I have to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the talking about it, I'm like, oh, and this other thing. And mm. then I end up learning more by sharing. Mm. Um, so I think that's part of just even what I shared with you last night that Mark Atkinson talks about taking a thought or a question and not just putting it into your head, but dropping it into your body. I love that mm. phrase. That's beautiful. Yeah. You know, it's like that. The noticing where it goes. So that where, phrase alone feels like. has been helpful. Or even referring, you know, as the author of Untethered Soul said, of taking that voice in your head and having it be your roommate. 
as opposed to some stranger that you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it is your own voice. Right. Um, Be- like becoming friends with yes. that voice as opposed yes. to feeling like we're enemies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I love that, taking the learning and then sharing it in an excited way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you've always, I mean, I'm just smiling, reflecting, and that's just who you, that's the essence of who you are, Mom. Mm-hmm. I mean, in conversation, um, that's another thing I've learned so much from you and that I appreciate and I've learned to appreciate about myself is in the past I've at times been called intense. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, at, at moments in my life chapters, it's been like, well, that sounds or feels like a negative thing. Like I, maybe I'm too intense, you mm-hmm. know, cause I don't really like small talk and people listening to know me <laughs> kind of know that I just like to, mm-hmm. I really want to land and know what's, what's truly going on with you. Right. How are you? Um, and I see you in the same way, and I absolutely love that. And um, so anything that you're learning, or I mean, I, we'll hop on the phone and you'll share, and it leads us into yeah. a whole other flow of a conversation. And so well, cool. I also, yeah, thank you. But I think it also helps you to relate to people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the whole idea of, you know, I have a chiropractor, I have an acupuncturist, and, you know, I've I've been to, you know, a boutique doctor, I've met a functional medicine doctor. Um, I've been to an herbalist. I know what a naturopath is. So knowing what all those things are and being able to reference them from my own experience, you know, it helps me to educate people. It helps me to relate to people. Mm. And I love when, you know, one of my coaching clients the other day just said, I'm trying to start a whole coaching practice based on the four agreements. Have you ever heard of it? I'm like, absolutely. So we talked about that. And then he had never heard about the companion book Mm. that goes with that. So I mentioned that. And then somebody else mentioned, you know, I'm going to a doTERRA conference. And I'm like, doTERRA, I know those essential oils. My daughter sells those. You know, so it's being able to reference all those things. Mm. Or somebody talked about Juice Plus. And I said, my sister is a, Mm -hmm. you know... A juice plus person. So again, expanding your awareness voc- well, and, and vocabulary and, vocab and toolbox. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. It's so cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. Mm, so fun. So yeah. wonderful. Um, one more thing that I'm thinking about, Mom. Um, well, I feel like we could talk for forever. <laughs> There's so many different um, different questions I have um, that I want to for you to be able to share. But one thing I'm just thinking about is: is there a peak? Like when you think about yourself as a little girl. Um, is there like a peak experience you had that, I don't know, I guess, what is my question? I guess that really, um, that where you really kind of came like face to face with yourself of the, like the core of who you are, where you were like, this is, this is who I am, where I feel most alive. Um, and, and what I want to keep like reconnecting with. I don't know if that's a clear question. Well, it is a, um, yeah, it's a great question. So a couple things come to mind, but one of them, I think I was about 10, maybe nine, so close to Sadie's age. And I remember my telling granddaddy that when I grew up, I wanted to have a party for everybody in the world (laughs) and make them happy. And he said, "That's so sweet. That's so beautiful." <laughs> he said, "That's impossible." That's what that was his immediate response. That's his immediate yeah. response. And I thought, I don't know. He's I, so black and white. Like, he's just so like. <laughs> black and white. But I, I remember that feeling, like, you know, if you're gonna like 
drop that pebble in the pond and have the ripple go out. It's it's a sort of how do you pay it forward? Mm. And I think even his reaction, I was like, yeah, I don't agree with that. Mm. And I was little. Yeah. And so I think there were moments where there were those, just the way that Grammy and Granddaddy were that I felt, I don't know about that, even mm. as a child. And being able to acknowledge that within yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Um, kept you exploring and, and right. learning and curious. Right. And I think that even last year when they were both at the end of their lives, I mean, I think that we end up influencing and mentoring and teaching up until we draw our last breath. Yeah. So the question is, what do we want our legacy to be? What do we want people to learn from us? Yeah. And I think in Grammy and Granddaddy's final weeks, you know, they were truly themselves. And I I would like to be more open and sharing and giving of the process of what I was going through. Mm. So that's what I learned from them. Yeah. They were private and they were modest and I and I respected that. Mm. But so much left with them that I wish I'd known more about. Yeah. And not because I didn't ask, but because they didn't know how to share. Yeah. Yeah. So Just, I think that's that was very much a part of my childhood is I was always curious as why are we not talking about these other things? Mhm. Um because my sense is anything that you can look up on Google, we don't need to talk about. Mm. I want to know about you and right. what goes on inside you. But if I ask Siri to tell me what Annie's thinking right now, it won't know. Hopefully not. <laughs> That'd be really scary. <laughs> would be, hey, Siri, what's going on with Annie? She's not talking to me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, no. So I think that's, that's always been my thing mm. is why are you asking me something you could look up? Yeah. Ask me something you don't know the answer to because you're interested in my perspective on it. And then that's the way I am with people. Yeah. You know, and I will, I will say to my clients, I know a lot about grief, but I know nothing about yours. Mm. So teach me what, what your experience is like. Yeah. And in the teaching me, they learn about what it is. Right. Mm. It's, it's that use of being able to hear their own voice brings. Well, it reminds me when we were at Sadie's school this morning and they were talking about my favorite part of my body is my eyes because what I can see, my favorite part of my body. And I was thinking, we have a voice. Yeah. Like that's what separates us from other creatures, like your cat who's scratching you. I know. (laughs) Thunder is with Um, us right now. Because the voice is, is, you know, I can offer you a lot non-verbally. Yeah. There is a lot. Not there really, is a lot. But then there's um, even more. Yeah. 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 Oh, so beautiful, Mom. So rich. Well, thank you, sweetie. Yeah, thank you for this time. You're I've been, welcome. So, listeners, I've Mom and I have chatted a lot about, you know, when, when do I get to interview you? When can we make time for this? So it feels absolutely magical that we well, were able to make this. I mean, and the timing. Yeah, and the timing. And today exactly is your perfect. brother Sam's 40th birthday. I know. So happy, happy birthday, Sam. Yeah, happy birthday, Sam. It feels so special. Yeah. Yeah.